Quantum Kickflip is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Previously on Quantum Kickflip. I don't want to screw things up worse than they are. Angus, somehow I tore open space-time and trapped us in a loop. I don't think it can get much worse, buddy. (laughs) We'll see, I guess. Something has been siphoning off of the town's power for a while now, and whatever it is, it just ran out of its one and only main food source. And it's probably on the hunt for a a new feed bag. What attracts your attention is the Zamboni driving down (laughs) the middle of the uh, the thoroughfare piloted by Nick and Angus. Well, that'll be one way to get attention. Uh, Yeah, the crowd loses their minds over this tune. This could be our chance to, like, really get some word of mouth going. You see that same shimmery, sort of almost serpentine form moving through the fabric of reality itself. And I'm going to mark one boost. To turn my bag into a one-way portal to a randomly selected world. So you feel that heat and you feel it go through and you have successfully warped this thing. But then you hear a screech come from the bag and you find yourselves back on the road outside of town. We need to use Nick's sword for it. We, we were this close. We almost had it through the rift. As long as you think that I'll be safe, then 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 all right. I'll, I'll come and watch. I'm glad. I wanted to spend this day with you. As you're preparing to open the rift and send this thing back, you see several metallic-skinned figures wearing robes. Their uh, their eyes land on that same shimmering anomaly, and they start bearing down straight towards the stage. Welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Robin. I am your Slug Master, your Game Blaster, and with me are five of my best and most hilarious friends. Uh, they are going to introduce themselves now uh, in the uh, the number of, of pets you've had in, in your lifetime, most to least. Uh, and you got to mention at least one of them. Like, yeah, men- mention a fave. Go. I mean, if we're going to count, like, you know, small caged animals, uh, then I probably, I win because I we went through a real cycle of of both <laughs> hamsters and gerbils um, <laughs> yeah take it that's so. you yeah uh hello my name is liam i'm playing lake she is the heart playbook uh with her big reality cannon and glitched out right half uh, i guess i have to talk about my pet my my childhood dog growing up was named Ico. after that song that's like Ico Ico on day that rules what up? My name is Lena Anderson, and I am playing Angus Franklin. He is the Guts playbook with the Skip Mode Runners. I had a cat when I was a child. I had a hamster when I was a teenager. And now I have a dog. Her name is Ruby. She is a perfect, precious angel and also a little stinky goblin, and I love her. <laughs> Aww. Uh, I had two cats. Uh, the first one was named after my best friend in kindergarten, uh, so it was named Benjamin. That cat ran away. We got another one. I couldn't think of another name for a cat, so I named him Benji. <laughs> and that cat also ran away. Uh, <laughs> and also, who are you? Oh, right. That's the other point of this. I just got so focused on the cat part. Uh, yes, my name is David Ray. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm playing Chester Capone, the, uh, the Grits playbook. And, uh, you know, he's having one heck of a time uh, using his powered armor to try to, uh, you know, uh, save the town. I am also with two, and my name is Michael Vetch. 
my uh, family's cat, well, growing up, her name was Hobbs. And our current cat now is named Calvin. They are great. I like a cat. <laughs> know who else like a cat? Probably the character that I play, Nick Lowe. He's the smarts playbook. He has a sword. He runs around. He maybe lets anomalies into the, the world through breaking through space time too much. Who can say? Uh, he's I got a cat allergy, I decided. I'm, I'm the GM and I'm giving him a cat allergy. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Glenna. <laughs> it's all right. My name is Glenna. I play Elliot Buchanan, who is the chill playbook. Uh, she likes rocking out on her guitar, which is awesome because she's had a chance to play uh, on stage, not once, not twice, but thrice so far uh, with her band, Paula the Ape Woman. I didn't have pets. Ever. That, aw, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I picked a sad thing by accident. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is a pet project of yours. Hey. Mm-hmm. hey. Uh, and as I said, my name's Robin, I'm your host and your slugmaster, and I come from a Twilight Zone dimension where the dogs are the people and the people are the dogs. Let's play a game. <laughs> Last time around, you guys, uh, I mean, you, you found out that you were in a time loop, um, and proceeded to try to make your way out of it with, uh, varying degrees of success. Uh, some of you were excited for a do-over and a second chance, some of you were more focused on the anomaly itself and, and how to, uh, break out of it. Um, and in the end, you guys all kind of came together on, on what I believe was your third loop. You had a plan. You were ready to, to bust this thing wide open. Uh, and at the last moment, um, as, as Elliot's band took the stage once more, powered by Chester's armor, drawing the, uh, the anomaly out of hiding, um, you also attracted the attention of the Arborists. Uh, and that was where we left things. Um, so you guys are in a whole, a whole heap of trouble. And that's exactly where we're going to pick things up. Uh, so I, I transport you now, once again, one more time, back through the loop to the plane <laughs> of no. So yeah, so you guys are all standing on or around the stage currently. Uh, Elliot's band has, uh, has just finished a tune, has just finished rocking out. Um, Chester, you're sort of plugged into the hardware that's powering the, uh, the stage, uh, powering the PA system. Um, the anomaly has, uh, begun to make its way towards you. Um, but just as you thought you had things all locked up, you began to hear a commotion from the back of the crowd. And sure enough, the arborists had arrived. Honestly, I just want to throw it to you guys. What do you do? Netscape Navigatrix! The arborists! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think with Chester seeing like the arborists uh, coming in, I, the focus is to try to get rid of this anomaly first. So I, I think with the anomaly there, I get this idea of how I might try to get the anomaly to come to me specifically and try to calm it down. Uh, and I'm going to do that by like trying to crank the armor a little bit and like hold my hand out and just do that uh, thing, you know, you do with cats of that. Here, boy, here, here. <laughs> you know that thing. I love it. <laughs> and I know the, the anomaly was somewhat uh, incorporeal and like sort of described as the, the shimmer of a, of a hot sidewalk. To what degree can we see this anomaly in terms of like positioning and targeting and strategy? Uh, I think you've got a pretty good sense of where it's at. At this point, you know what you're looking for and you, you've kind of uh, 
where at first it was very hard to spot. Now it's it's kind of like you your eyes have adjusted a little bit. It's still very incorporeal and very like shifting through the the fabric of space time, but um, but you can follow it well enough. Also, at this point, it's not making any effort to to hide itself from you, so that that may change as time goes forward. But um, at least in this moment, it is is fully on display, and and you have the ability to to track it, to target it, to to do with as you will. Sweet. And did we, safe to say we learned last time, maybe, maybe don't try to shoot it necessarily? It does seem to have some sort of a uh, uh, defense mechanism that y'all have uh, triggered several Sweet. times now. So shooting it with lasers or teleporting it somewhere fiery uh, may not be the best approach. Uh, then I think uh, seeing um, that Chester is is trying to deal with the, the creature... Lake is just ready, uh, readies her reality cannon to try to uh, uh, hold off as many arborists as she can with some, uh, I'm going to use one of the abilities I haven't used very much, but I'll, I'll wait till we pop those off. Sounds good. What's uh, what's everyone else's play? I honestly think Angus is pretty overwhelmed at seeing the arborists. I don't think he expected that to happen at all. And he's also pretty focused on trying to get the anomaly out of here and ending this loop but now things have just gotten so much worse Mm -hmm. i guess he just doesn't know what his next play is like i think he draws his negare out of instinct and in the in the few seconds that everyone else is reacting he doesn't for once <laughs> if if i can offer something alongside that yeah um i think nick puts his hand on angus's shoulder and says i'm gonna need to get that last slice in on the anomaly can you hold off those arborists uh uh and angus raises his negare <laughs> uh take that as a yes beautiful Elliot, you're uh, yeah, you're up there with the band, and you've you've got this thing's attention. Um, but Chester seems to be now drawing it with the power. Um, what is what is Elliot's play here? Are you continuing to uh, score the scene for us, or are you joining your compatriots in battle? I think at the moment she's going to continue to play. Okay, but you know we'll be around if um, if the situation goes south and requires help. Yeah, I think you've got uh, the attention of some of the crowd, but it is rapidly shifting to the uh, metallic-skinned, robed individuals who have um, burst onto the scene. Because you also need to remember that as much as, like, uh, in this alternate timeline we find ourselves in, um, dimensional travel, interdimensional contact has been made. Um, This is not an unknown thing to the world. But it's also not super common. Like, there's a reason that your hobby is... uh, is sort of an underground uh, alternative kind of a thing. This hasn't gotten mainstream yet. This isn't something that is like socially acceptable to do sneaking into other dimensions. It's generally, aside from the slug blasters doing it on the sly, it's, you know, massive corporations or uh, secret government labs. Uh, and that's kind of the extent of it. There is no like, the average person hasn't met a Thenis Spartan. Um, so this is a pretty big deal, especially for somewhere as backwater as Hillview. They are not used to this and uh, are a little bit very similar to if aliens showed up out of nowhere. Um, so, yeah, you've got some of the crowd's attention, um, but you're you're getting a little bit of like, you know, the band on the Titanic vibes as people start to <laughs> panic and scramble and, and flee. Uh, I have a new offer. OK, <laughs> it's dumb. 
uh, uh, the best kind. Dumb offers are the best ones, Glenna. <laughs> uh, I think we're in between songs right now, or maybe, and or, I'm just playing my guitar and not singing. Uh, and I go up to the microphone and, hey, looks like we've got some folks in from Thennis Spar. Are those the Arborists? Hey, make some noise, Arborists. You're here. You're here at Town Day. <laughs> Uh, we've established before that they, whatever language they speak is very ancient and, and thus incomprehensible to you. And I imagine that cuts both ways to some degree. Um, but I think they perk up when they hear, like, they know the, uh, null word arborous. Um, so you, you have their attention. Uh, they don't, you know, wave their hands in the air as if they just don't care. Uh, but they, they do, they've heard you addressing them and they know you're addressing them. Yeah, uh, everybody... Welcome our guests. Let's put our hands together. Let's make sure they feel welcome. <laughs> I, I want to roll for this, but yeah, let definitely. me know like what is your what is your intended outcome here? Are you trying to pacify the crowd? Are you trying to psych out the arborist? What like what does a, a success look like to you here? Uh, a success looks like people sort of first off people coming down, uh, yeah. but also maybe like using the crowd as a distraction for the arborists, like getting people focused on the contact between the two of them. Yeah. So that the arborists can't get past the people without, you know, doing something drastic. Oh, I love that. <laughs> okay. So Elliot is attempting to work the crowd in your favor. Uh, Lake and Angus are attempting to hold off the arborists should it come to that. Whereas Chester and Nick are, are focusing on getting the anomaly into position uh, and finishing what you set out to do here. Love it. I love all of these offers. Let's get some rolls. Uh, I think starting with Elliot, because what your how yours goes may affect how everyone else's goes. All right. Uh, the chill always rolls with two dice. And may I use that last hype die, team? Please. Cool. I'm going to do that. So I'm rolling with 3d6. <laughs> uh, two. Oh. But I roll doubles, so I get style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you addressing it d does not have the intended effect instead of uh, pacifying the crowd or, or drawing their attention to the arborists. If anything, you just like anyone who wasn't aware what was going on and that, that these arborists had arrived, you've now confirmed for all of them that this is happening and it's even more pandemonium that like everyone's scrambling to get out of there. No one is listening to the band anymore. Uh, it's all, it, everyone's just trying to clear the area. It's probably the video of this is going to go viral later. Uh, <laughs> that, like, while these scary aliens were making their way towards you and while the crowd was in a panic, you kept your icy cool and just kept ranting about like, yeah, let's give it up for our guests. Like, it, it looks cool as hell. <laughs> um, but you have sent everyone into a panic. Yeah, I think the problem here is that in gathering the arbor arborist attention to the stage, like, we had established that they had shown up and that they were sort of making their way through the crowd uh, looking for something. I think you have drawn their attention to you and by extension, the anomaly. And as soon as they see it, uh, they start moving directly to what like that. That is what they're here for. And, and you've drawn the path right to it. Um, so if you're wanting to do anything with this anomaly, uh, you now have to make a move before the arborists get their hands on it. Arborists are closing in. I think now's the time to get rolls from uh, Lake and Angus. Uh, Lake levels her, her reality cannon and is going to try to shoot, fire a, a lob shot at one of them. Um, again, she, she's on 
on her home turf. She doesn't want to go around blasting things destructive and permanently. So I'm going to use a rarely used ability I've had for a while uh, called the um, uh, Subjectivity Diode. Um, it lets me create a temporary illusionary reality for a specific target. The effect happens within their senses. Uh, and so I'm going to aim at whatever the the main... If, if there seems to be a leader, like you know, the guy with the biggest hat or the fanciest robes or whatever, um, <laughs> or just at the front of the... If not, at the front of the pack, Lake begins to fiddle with the dial and she's like... Oh, you want to come visit Hillview, huh? Well, why don't I give you the true prairie experience? Um, and if this is successful, I want this individual I hit to the temporary reality I'm creating is this same rec center parking lot, but not on a brisk, you know, fall afternoon in the middle of the day, um, but instead the dead of January winter in the middle of the night. Oh, brutal. <laughs> so, like, if you think of, like, the the one floodlight over the parking lot and just, like, a completely empty rec center parking lot, the, like, cold, bristling, chilly weather, like, just the, the cold that, like, cuts to your core, real deep prairie wind, uh, and I'm rolling two dice about it. Five. Mixed success, okay. You know what? I think it looks, the, the, the thunk, it fires, and it seems to, like, leave a little trail of snow behind it. Uh, and it looks like a sort of ghostly snowball, uh, the size of like a soccer ball, uh, and hits him square in the face. Uh, and unless you say otherwise, as far as he is concerned, he is standing in minus 40 prairie weather uh, outside of an empty uh, rec center at night. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, that is the successful part of your ro- your role. It works exactly as you intended. You can't see any of what he's seeing, obviously, because it says it yeah. exists within his senses. Um, there is, yeah, very much a, a leader um, you were able to to pick out from the rest of the crowd. And uh, yes, this this leader stops in his tracks and, and starts looking around frantically for, for the other arborists. I think he even throws down a uh, robe globe and sort of vanishes and reappears shortly you know slightly to the right um as if trying to to warp his way back to null but still seems confused with like the effect hasn't hasn't worn off and and is just completely disoriented and and out of commission your complication comes in the form of uh i think these uh other arborists see you do this and and perceive you as a threat um and one of them is going to chuck a uh different looking orb this one is yeah it's almost crystalline translucent but there's like a faint glow coming from the inside of it uh and they chuck it towards you it shatters on impact at your feet and uh where are you right now like in in relation to everyone else like whereabouts are you standing if memory serves i was either on the stage or near the front or side of the stage i think most of us were were within five ten feet of each other yeah i think on the stage makes a lot of sense uh or or very near to it so yeah this thing explodes a shockwave kind of goes out and all of you sort of fly back from this shockwave. So this this affects not just Lake, uh, but also I'm assuming Angus and the members of the band. I'm gonna say that Nick and Chester are just outside the blast radius of this thing. Um, and it sort of ripples out, you're all thrown backwards, but where you're like, you expect to be thrown back and hit the dirt, uh, you don't. Uh, instead you all find yourself sort of floating in the air. It's as though gravity has been turned off in a small radius um, centered on the stage. Uh, and uh, you can, Elliot, you can see behind you that like, yeah, the, the drums 
uh, begin to rise up and the amps are sort of floating. It all looks very cool. Like it's, it's like you're in zero G playing a rock and roll show, uh, except for the mm-hmm. fact that you now don't have your footing and, and uh, may have complications in, in trying to do anything from here on out. Uh, uh, whoa. This was not the kind of recoil I was expecting. <laughs> oh man, in space no one can hear your guitar. <laughs> uh Angus, you suddenly find yourself floating above the ground. What what's what's your play here? Uh I think Angus is gonna start off by focusing on getting back on the ground. Okay. So he's gonna flip the setting on his negaray, switching it from ray gun to grappling hook. Yeah. He's gonna fire it at the stage and reel himself in. Uh, and once he lands, he's gonna activate the anti-nega friction outsoles on his skip modes to keep him grounded, literally. Ah, oh, very good. Uh, let's absolutely get a roll for that. I'll throw out there if you wanna use some of your guts kick on this. Uh, I would, I would consider that, uh, burning a kick to be enough to get, allow you to get a shot off in addition to everything else you're attempting here. Fantastic. I will add that kick. I am trying to look cool because this is just like a Spider-Man move at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think I'm going to take a dare to add a d6. Who boy. So my trouble is stacking up roll bad, but I'm rolling 2d6 with a kick. Here goes things. I rolled a four. All right, mixed success. I do have something on my guts playbook. Refill one boost when you attempt to look cool, even if you fail. So I'm going to get one of my dice back. I like to think that when Angus gets untethered, he doesn't like float straight up. His feet kind of come out from under him a little bit. Mm -hmm. So he almost like does a weird slow backflip. And it's while he's kind of upside down that he switches the, the setting, fires, pulls himself in just like Spider Man, lands on his feet. Reels in the grappling hook, switches it back. He's going to just point to the nearest arborist, probably the nearest arborist to the anomaly, like as close as he can. Uh, and he's going to fire. Slow speed. Stuns. 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 Okay. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah. So you you are able to do all of this. You, you get your feet under you again. Um, and it is a success. So mark your style. It does look cool as hell. We're going to give you a couple of things here because, um, again, Mm -hmm. you were trying to look cool. uh, Any complications are worse. So I think what happens is this. You get this shot off and you are aiming at the one that is nearest to the anomaly, which makes sense. Strategically, you're trying to keep them away from this anomaly until you can finish what you set out to do. Um, But I think in shooting near the anomaly, it is, is visibly startled by this. Uh, you, you don't feel that stomach drop. It doesn't, you know, trigger the time loop. Um, but it's sort of, you see it skitter to one side uh, and it looks agitated by this. So you've, you've kind of, uh, yeah, the, the, this thing is, is not um, soothed by, as, as Chester was trying to do, of calling it in slowly and soothing it. Um, it is now very agitated and, and on a bit of a hair trigger. Um, the problem for you, though, is I think you, you hit this arborist uh, and and it uh, doesn't seem phased. Maybe you set the, the setting just a little bit too low this time. Uh, they needed a, a heavier stun on there. You don't you don't know what uh, these these guys are built like. You don't know what they could take. So the the shot hits, um, but they kind of shrug it off, uh, and then they move in towards you. And I think you're gonna take a slam here. I think uh, 
They've got, once again, like they did in the Golden Jungle, big uh, chrome staffs. Uh, staves? Staffs. Staves. 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 Uh, I mean, they've each got one. This one has a staff. Uh, yeah, and I think it's it hits you with, uh, with some sort of an energy attack from the end of it. Uh, just sort of like jabs out at you and, and zaps you. Uh, and you're going to take the slam of zapped. Okay. So that's where we leave Angus for the moment. Um, let's jump over to Nick and Chester. I and, and either one of you, feel free to jump in here. Chester, you were trying to lure it towards you. Nick, you were trying to open the rift. Yeah, who wants to, who wants to make a roll here? So, uh, Robin, I need to ask about this because uh, I've forgotten. Um, mm-hmm. When we do these loops, uh, I know that you know, our, our playbooks do not get renewed with more dice and, and, and boost and all that kind of stuff. They do not. Uh, what about our equipment? Is our equipment also like being powered <laughs> out, kind of a thing? Uh, it is. Yeah, we're treating this as all all one linear run for you guys because mm-hmm. you're experiencing it as a linear thing. I can see where you could make the argument for the for the gear, but we also haven't treated yeah. it that way thus far. So I think we got to keep it consistent. No, and, and that's perfectly uh, fine. I just want to be clear on that. So absolutely. Uh, Why you running low on boost? Oh yeah, I, yeah. I have nothing on my armor, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. so this means I have to get dangerous with my armor, and I'm going to take my danger arc, uh, which I realized uh, <laughs> this might be very handy. I'm going to put that in my hand and use it as the thing that, like, instead of having you know pellets in my hand to try to convince uh, you know the goat at the petting zoo to come <laughs> over before he knocks it out of your hands and then it spills on the ground and then you cry. At the petting farm, because you just wanted to pet the ghost, but they just bush you out of the way. Anyway, sorry, I got sidetracked on a true story of my life. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So the danger arc is going to turn into those pellets, essentially, right? Like, I want to use that as my my thing. Yeah, that makes total sense. You know it's drawn to energy, so you're using it to to literally... You're using it as food. That makes sense to me. Uh, and I, I think I'm going to uh, kind of overcharge the armor because the armor is like normally can keep up, but because it's being worn out and I'm not even fully aware of that it's looping with me, I'm kind of making it charge up more because right now it looks fine, right? It's plugged into all the gear. Everything is fine. It looks fine. I might, I'm going to try to crank it some more so that, like, you can physically see, like, you know, the little uh, streaks of uh, electricity going a- around my body and everything like that. And uh, <laughs> also, uh, you know, doing this thing of, like, trying to stay, like, stone-faced of, like, with a very, uh, you know, welcoming, friendly, like, come on, don't worry, as, like, all my muscles are seizing, uh, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, uh, do sacrifice your body so I can get yeah. a couple extra dice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to uh, throw in one of my grit dice and I'm going to throw in uh, one of the kick. And you better believe that I'm going to try to look cool as I do all of this. So uh, so part of this with the, the sacrifice your body, I have to take uh, a slam. Yeah, but yeah, I get to roll with four dice if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. Um, I do think, yeah, you're exactly as you described it. You're overclocking this thing, which is causing some you to get take some of the residual uh, uh, electricity that is being generated here. 
Um, I already gave out zapped as a slam. I'm trying to think of another way to say essentially the same thing, but maybe it's just zapped for a second time. Yeah, I, I like that. Two different crew members are zapped currently. <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, we are fighting an, an electricity monster, you know? That's yeah. going to happen a couple of times. You know? <laughs> Neither of us were zapped by the electricity monster. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> and I mean, it's a monster that eats electricity. You don't know that it's a monster that creates electricity. That It hasn't done anything like that yet. That is true. Anyway, so you take your slam. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll, I'll take my slam. Uh, and here we go. Well, that was uh, a little disappointing. Uh, <laughs> uh, the best I rolled was a four out of all of that. So a lot of a mixed, lot of success. mixed successes here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, sorry. I'm just taking a moment to think about how I wanna I wanna reward this uh, and or punish this as the case may be. Well, you know what? Here's an easy one. I could just take another slam. Like it's just too. Maybe it's just getting a bit too much for me. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's exactly what's going on. Because um, it, it's a mixed success, and and what you were attempting to do was draw it towards you so that Nick would have the opportunity to open the portal. Yeah. Yes, so I'm, I'm, I'm like, I know that it wants electricity. I have to generate it, but you know, between my armor starting to give out, like it's safety measures are not in place, it's going too much. It might be just like, this is probably going to give me like a heart condition afterwards, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, I think you are gonna, the, the complication here is that you're going to take another slam, which, uh, what do we want to call it, team? Cardiac dysrhythmia. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Thank fact you, that you nurse. have uh, a history studying uh, medicine means I'm going to take your word on that and just put it in there. Um, sure. Wonderful. So you take that slam, um, and once again, you were trying to look cool with this role, and, and you have succeeded. I think much like Elliot, you you know, this is a thing that is is hurting you actively, but also the fact that you're like stone face powering through it is like, it looks objectively cool, even though it's maybe not maybe electrocuting yourself isn't a cool thing to do. Uh, the fact that you're withstanding it does uh, does get you your style. Be, yeah, because you attempted to look cool, problems are worse. So what I'm going to say is that, yeah, you take that slam, that's your main problem. This thing is attracted towards you. You've created so much electricity that it is, um, yeah, it can't help but be drawn towards this. Because you're still hooked into the PA system while you're doing all of this, you, at no point did you, like, disconnect uh, so I think you've overloaded a lot of that equipment and it bursts into flames. So you've, you've got a small fire going on on stage. You're outside right now, like you're not burning it. You're not inside a burning building. You're not trapped inside the flames, but you've created a bit of a hazard here. Uh, you've created open flame that you were drawing this thing towards. Um, and you, you know from previous experience in Path Loops that if this thing takes damage or, or feels threatened, uh, that it's likely to trigger another loop, uh, which will mean that all of this will have been for nothing. Um, so that's the sort uh, of consequence I'm going to leave in the air. Can I nope that for him? <laughs> oh, I was going to also do a similar thing because my, my noping is like if I'm noticing this stuff behind me, like mm-hmm. I, that it's starting like about to go, that I like pull myself off of it. And maybe as I do that, I do pull down a little bit of the structure, but it won't cause the fire. Like it will be like, yes, it causes me trouble. That's where I can get in the trouble from noping is like I'm causing physical damage, but it's not fire damage. Yeah, I like that. So you're you're going to mark some trouble here um, to avoid the the added effect of the uh, of the fire. Yes. Yeah. So that would be two trouble. 
Yes, that's how note works. Yeah. Um, so go ahead and mark that. And yeah, you're able to pull the cord just in time. You maybe see the electricity start to form on the outside of your armor. You absolutely feel the electricity. Um, and you <laughs> begin to see it travel down that cord and you're like, ah! and pull it out at just the exact right moment before it has a chance to overload everything. That power bar is probably done so, uh, but the, yeah. the <laughs> PA equipment doesn't burst into flames. And you've got this thing headed straight for you. So finally, we come to Nick. You've got your your opening. What do you do? I think if Chester were to look beside him for Nick, he wouldn't find him there. Ooh. Because, like, pretty much a- as soon as they split off to get in their positions for this, uh, I think Nick would have gone right into astral phasing uh, with his Rift Ninjas to become slightly not there, ghostly, enough to help you move silently. He's sort of, like, trying to get the drop on on this anomaly by, by disappearing from the scene as much as he can. Uh, that makes total sense to me, yeah. Yeah, as it's sort of charging forward toward this whole electric situation on the armor, uh, that's when Nick will be prepping up his stance for that strike. And he's really determined to like fix this mistake that he has made and has just grown and grown, and he, he feels like it, he really needs to make amends for that. And he remembers what he tuned his sword into before to try and get that rift slice just right. And he's he's just got to go for another attack to, to do the slip rattle. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, let's get that roll. Yeah. Um, question. I don't know if this has factored in before. I can't remember what I've asked previously. Um, Hyperphantasiac, one of the things within that is you get plus 1d6 any roll involving portaling physics. Does that factor in for this kind of an overclocked portal? I know it doesn't typically apply to my slip rattle, but would it in this situation? I think it will. I also can't remember if we've had this conversation before, um, but I think where, <laughs> regardless of what I said last time, uh, the only the only me that matters is the, the me in the moment right now uh, who is declaring that it is absolutely relevant. You're trying to hone in on a specific frequency here and, and cut through to a specific location um, that absolutely applies that that deeper understanding of portaling physics that you gained when you opened your mind's eye to the continuum of space-time via the turbodendron nectar that's that's uh, absolutely something that pays off for you here nice so I'll be rolling 2d6 from that I then also want to add my last boost die from smarts uh, in that he's sort of like factored and figured out what he needs to do to tune his sword just right, as well as the last kick that I have, because I think this isn't just a standard teleport. This this does need that kick to probably go through the way he needs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that'll be three d six and a kick, and I think Nick's gonna be looking. He's gonna be trying to look cool on this. This is this is the big move. This is where he's trying to <laughs> trying to fi- get it all to go right. <laughs> Y'all all realize that, uh, simultaneously that you haven't marked any style this run, hey. <laughs> I'm just saying this is a big move. I think you can look cool on a big move. Oh, right? you absolutely can. No, I'm not. Not a critique. I have a five. Whew. <laughs> I was worried about that one. Yeah, describe this to us, please. Yeah, I think, like, as Chester's armor has been just juicing up and going wild, uh, the anomaly has just been, like, zipping its way across the parking lot with incredible speed. And in contrast to that, Nick has just had his Negatana sheath beside him in this sort of astral phasing mode and taking slow steps to walk all the way across to sort of meet it as it comes racing towards him. And it doesn't see him, but he's just, very quietly as he walks, he starts speaking. Negatana. Sixth form ultra. Astral assassination. 
Banishing Blade! And that's when he pops out of his astral phasing and just cuts right across this thing as it comes whizzing past him. Absolutely. And so you're attempting to open a rift for it to move through. You're not at- you're not attacking it directly, right? No, yeah, I guess, sorry. He makes the swing and it opens like directly in front of it. It would have the the motion of the thing of like it's coming whizzing past him and it would get hit by the slice, but like the portal's right there and opens just as it as it hits the point where they would cross. Yeah, totally. So yes, I think that is exactly what happens. You you slice open this rift, you see that familiar fractal pattern of electricity moving outwards, um, and whatever temptation that Chester's armor held for this thing, uh, its attention is quickly diverted to the, the limitless potential energy of its home dimension. Uh, you see it move through the rift disappear towards the other side of it and once again the uh, the rift seals itself up and uh, you are left there with the anomaly on safely on the other side. Uh, you have a moment of, of calm there. You have a moment of, of just relief washes over you as, as you finally manage to do this after three times through this day it looks like it's finally at an end uh, but that is quickly shattered as you uh, feel your entire body jolt uh, you realize that you have been hit with one of the same sta- staves that uh, hit Angus earlier, and a third member of Weird Gravity is going to take the zapped slam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that is your second slam, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Hope you don't take a third. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think just before he gets hit by that stave, he just kind of like lowers his hands and looks down and he goes, No cheesies. And and then he just gets wailed on by this staff. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I love that. Uh, And so it is shattered both, you know, physically by getting zapped by this this staff, um, but also metaphorically as you you look around and realize that you are still in the middle of just this absolute pandemonium. The the anomaly is gone, but the arborists are still very much here, as are those uh, undercover rescue agents, uh, as are the uh, multitude of, of fleeing civilians. You still have a, a big mess to clean up here. Yeah, actually, I think if, if uh, Lake can jump in sort of yeah. as the first action in this next round, you're, you're right. We have a very big mess to clean up, and we have seemed to have solved the problem, but who boy, are we going to be in a lot of trouble? Do we have some explaining to do? Uh, so with everyone in earshot and everyone still there, I would like to do pep talk now. Uh, Mm -hmm. refill the hype dice so that whatever people try to do to clean this up, they've got a fresh pool of hype dice to to work from. Absolutely. Way to go, Nick. You did it. Oh, geez, Chester. Thanks, pal. You're really toughing it out. Elliot, you're crushing it. Keep going. Angus, great shot, gang. We are in so much trouble, but I have no doubt that if we all put our heads together, we we can figure this out. We I don't think we get a do-over this time, but that, that doesn't mean we can't make things right. Because now we know what we have to do, and I believe in all of us. Beautiful, yeah. And and with that, your uh, your hype dice are replenished. You guys have a few more resources to work with. As as uh, Chester has pointed out, a lot of you are running very low on uh, on extra dice and whatnot. Uh, so that couldn't come at a better time. With that, yeah, you you do find that you are you are still uh, in the midst of this pandemonium. So let's do a quick recap to just figure out where everyone is. Chester is side stage. Uh, feet on the ground, uh, but also actively being electrocuted by his own armor. Elliot and the band are floating in space above the stage, uh, along with all their gear. Uh, Lake is also still suspended in midair while giving this pep talk. He's kind of um, slowly rotating 360 degrees as this is happening. 
Angus has got his feet on the ground, um, but is in close combat with one of the Arborists. Uh, and Nick has just successfully completed uh, a maneuver here, but is is uh, has been jabbed in the back by yet another one of these Arborists. Um, I think, yeah, that, that's to recap where everyone's at. I think going forward here, the Arborists do not look pleased by this development. Um, I think they came here with a very specific goal in mind of how to deal with this creature. Uh, and while you you have uh, transported it out of here uh, and, and you think you know what that means for you, it clearly wasn't what the Arborists were here to do. Uh, and they don't look pleased about this. Um, meanwhile, you see those rescue agents, uh, have dropped all pretense of staying undercover and staying unnoticed. And I think now that this has all popped off, they've, they've realized that, that there is no, the, the jig is up, uh, as it were. Uh, and so they've all kind of ditched their civilian outfits and, uh, well, I mean, they're, they're still dressed as civilians, but they all, they all pull out, uh, various, <laughs> they're uh, just running around naked. <laughs> <laughs> they all pull out various ray guns and, and equipment and sort of start barking orders and flashing credentials and seem to be trying to get the arborists in line. And the arborists don't seem to like that either. Um, you can see this quickly turning into a battle between the rescue agents that are present and the arborists, uh, with the five of you caught in the middle. Um, although it is not just the five of you. While the, the crowd has been clearing out, uh, you do still see a few familiar faces uh, and and people fleeing amidst the panic. Um, as we mentioned, the band is, is here and they're kind of, their feet have gone out from underneath them, same as the rest of you. Chester, you can also see Juniper, who you invited directly to, you, you told her to come and watch this play out and told her to be there by the stage to watch <laughs> this happen. Um, and she is... Um, Hasn't been able to flee with the, like, I think she's been trying to get out of here, but just every time she turns, there's another terrifying thing in her way. And so she's just sort of cowering at this point. And, uh, and yeah, doesn't, doesn't seem to know what to do or where to go to get out of here. And then other than that, I think it's just various townsfolk that you see amongst the, uh, amongst the crowd. Um, but there are civilians in harm's way. Uh, who's got an offer they'd like to make? <laughs> Yeah, I got something. Mm-hmm. You said I'm in close combat with one of the arborists, right? They have a staff? Yeah. I have three things I want to do. I am willing <laughs> to spend a kick, maybe even two, to pull this off. I want to yank the staff out of his hands, mm-hmm. clock him on the side of the head, mm-hmm. and then attack. Has the Is the orb still on stage? Is there like an energy radiating from the orb that is anti-grav? Uh, I think we said it, sh- it like exploded on impact and sort of created a shockwave with the experience you've had with the Arborist before that, that tends to be the case that it's like, well, I guess there have been some that have stuck around. Hey, there was like a magnet one on my gun or something like not a magnet one, but like one that froze it in place. Yeah. Um, you know what? Yeah. I yeah. think I, I did say it shattered on contact, but, um, that makes more sense. It should, it's still, uh. It is still present on stage, and you can see that, like, the, this field is, um, it's like an invisible force, but you can see it that, that is sort of centralized around this orb. So uh, I think that that is only fair to give you something to target there. Perfect. Yes. Then my offer stands. I want to disarm the arborist, clock him on the side of the head for good measure, and then attack the orb. How many kicks do I need? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you got two to burn? I got... Two, I, I got to, yeah. <laughs> Can I burn them? That remains to be seen. I think disarming is is the offer. 
clocking him as well for a kick and smashing the orb will take a second kick. That's my my gut instinct on this. Okay, sounds good. Uh, I'm all about going with your gut. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I will take the two kick. I will take one die from my guts. I, I think uh, I want to try to... <laughs> Is this going to go so badly? I want to try to look cool again. In, in just the efficiency of the move, one, two, three, I want it to be three quick movements. And I feel like if you can pull this off, this will look dope as hell. So yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. 2d6, two kick. I rolled a six. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> feel free to describe this for us because it goes exactly as you planned. Um, it's very much like maybe this guy doesn't expect Angus to... to grab uh the staff and i think angus is probably has probably sped things up a little bit so he's moving a little bit faster because his reflexes have just sped up so he grabs it uses one end swipes it right across the side of his face in that same movement is bringing it up over his head and like a stabbing downward motion right into the orb with the uh, butt end of the staff. Yeah, and I think uh, with that, yeah, you have just enough reach because you were sort of locked in place. You had been using your sneakers to to lock you to the ground to counteract this thing's anti-gravity effect um, and where you might not have been able to reach it or do anything to it on your own with the added reach of the staff. Uh, you're just able to, to get it um, and you bring the hammer down and it, it uh, shatters and, and instantly that effect ends. Um, all of your uh, compatriots come crashing to the ground in a bit of a heap. No one's taking a, a capital S slam from this, but everyone's definitely banged up from the uh, from the experience. I think Michelle, especially, uh, is you know was on top of the drum kit, and and now some of the drum kit is on top of her. Um, like I, I think <laughs> <laughs> that's that was particularly unpleasant. You know, uh, Riku just holding the bass is like, well, I, I got a grip on it. It's got a strap, like. Uh, but the, the drums are a little more unwieldy, especially when they're uh, in zero G and then suddenly back to uh, precisely one G. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, everyone everyone is back on the ground. Um, and yeah, mark your style for that. Excellent play. Thank you. Who's got another offer? Uh, so I, I have a question. Yeah. The, the arborist that was attacking Nick, mm-hmm. were they out of the kind of gravity bu- bubble? They were, yeah. Yeah, I don't think any of the arborists were caught in that. I think it was just the people directly on the stage. All right. I'll describe it uh, according to like how well I roll, but I'm going to try to brawl out uh, the person that's uh, fighting Nick. And mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, then tell Nick, get over there and uh, get Juniper to safety. Because I, I can fight. I can take hits. I, I, need, I need Nick to make sure that she's safe. That makes sense. You know what? I'm going to use the rest of my grit dice uh, to make sure that this happens, uh, which is two. Uh, mm-hmm. I am going to try to look cool as I do this, and I'm hoping uh, my roll reflects that. Oh, thank goodness. There was a six. <laughs> there was a six in there. Yay! Excellent, yeah. Let's turn it around for weird gravity. <laughs> so... A Chester, after you know seeing everything that's happening, and I see Juniper in trouble, and knowing that Nick can uh, you know get to her better and, and move and stuff, I look around, grab a steel chair 
uh, that the audience, you know, one of the crowd uh, was sitting on, folded up, and I start running in. And of course, since this is uh, the late 90s, in wrestling, they still hit people fully in the skull with a a steel chair. (laughs) So I do that uh, to the arborist to just like, uh, uh, <laughs> knock him straight in the head. He's down on the ground. I tell, I turn to Nick, get to Juniper. I, I, I will do the fight, but I need to make sure that Juniper is safe. Yes, sir, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Chairman. Uh, yes, Chester. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I get a style, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. So mark your style for that. I'm realizing that we maybe should have started a progress track because it's now looking like you're trying to uh, sort of deal with the arborists and, and we may need to know how far along we are to that goal. Um, but honestly, I like the reason why I didn't, and I think it still stands, is that there is just so much pandemonium going on here that it's it's not a matter of like, oh, you've got five guys to take out and then you're good. Or you've, you know, you've just got to flip the switch or get to the goal. It's... It's a little more complicated than that. Um, So definitely feel free to let me know what you guys are attempting and and what uh, goals you hope to achieve, and we can set up progress tracks as needed. Um, But I think it it makes sense that at this point there sort of isn't one uh, because there isn't sort of a clear goal in place. Like it's it's not just a matter of it, it, it's not clear what you're you need to achieve here. Um, And there are several ways that you could potentially handle this situation. I have an idea. If Robin will let me do it. (laughs) <laughs> tell me the idea and I'll tell you if you can do it. <laughs> I want to reach into my voidware backpack. Uh-huh. And I want to I want to pull out a working fire hose. <laughs> Sorry, so like you you'd be feeding it out and it would like, you know, the end of it, you've got the nozzle but the end of the hose disappears into your bag where presumably on some other plane of reality it is hooked up to a hydrant. Yes, that is what <laughs> I would like to do, please. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I'll I'll do it this way. You can roll to pull a fire hose from your bag, and the the working connected aspect of it, I think, is going to require a kick. Absolutely. So I'm going to roll my classic two dice. I'm going to add a die from the Voidware backpack and my kick. Uh, I'm also I really want this to work, you guys. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna take a dare. So I'm gonna mark trouble to add another d6. Mm-hmm. So I'm rolling four d6. Beautiful. Oh, there's a six in there. Yeah. I actually rolled a straight. Ah, there you go. Yeah, Mark Style for now. <laughs> I mean, Mark Style if it's applicable, but um, but not for the straight. <laughs> Elliot, straight? Nah. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you, you are able to do what you set out to do. Describe to us the act of, of conjuring this fire hose and what you do with it. All right, so I reach deep into my bag, and I pull out the fire hose. And you know how they have those, like, valves right on the end? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if the microphone is working anymore, but I just, like, I yell out, everyone needs to cool off, and I crank the valve and turn it on the crowd. Ah, uh, very good. This is my form of crowd control, is I'm dousing everybody with the fire hose. Yeah, I think it, um... Because you've you've conjured it from some other plane of reality, uh, the water that comes at the end of it is like, you know, shimmering, uh, incandescent, like kind of a rainbowy. But it's like it, you know, not it's not acid or anything. Like it's just it is still effectively water for the purpose that you're using it for. It just looks cool because it's from another. You've conjured it from somewhere else in the multiverse. 
and yeah, I'm assuming you're targeting here like the arborists, the rescue agents, the the aggressors in the crowd here. Yeah, basically. you're not just like blasting juniper in the <laughs> in the skull. With no, 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 no. Just no. tons of water at high pressure. Okay. So yes, I think you are able to do exactly that. Yeah, you you unload this thing. Um, all of the uh, arborists, rescue agents, and the like uh, are are blown back here. And because you did roll a six in there, right? I did. So yeah, I don't even think that this like you're you're able to uh, avoid friendly fire on this where where that might have been a concern on a mixed success here. You're you're able to target exactly who you want to target, and uh, and they all go tumbling backwards. Uh, I think at a certain point the 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 water pressure runs out. Um, you have no way of knowing why uh, or where this is like what what is the factor there. Um, I think it just like you get to do a big cool thing, but it's not an unlimited uh, crowd mm-hmm. control device. Um, so for whatever reason, maybe someone in that other plane of reality was like, "Hey, where where is this going? Why did this hang on?" Um, <laughs> and shut off the main. Uh, who knows? Um, but one way or another, it runs out. Uh, and and the uh, the arborists and rescue agents are all soaked in in a heap there. This has bought you all another moment of reflection. Like you have an opportunity here to to make a break for it. You have an opportunity to bring the fight to them if that's what you want to do. Uh, you have you have an opportunity to do a lot of things um, as do they, and that's why I think this is the perfect moment. We're gonna take a brief pause here because it's time I think for the disaster roll. Pals, Robin here, your Slugmaster and host, and as always, I want to thank you so much for listening. You're the entire reason we do this show. Uh, You, specifically, the person listening to this right now. And if you, specifically, the person listening to this right now, happen to want to share the show with a friend or uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that'd be... Pretty damn cool of you. I'm in a weird mood today. Anyway, we are at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow us for new episode updates, memes, audiograms, and more. You can also subscribe to us on Patreon, where for just five bucks a month, you can get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip, as well as bi-weekly bonus content like interviews, outtakes, and lots more. Uh, I'd also like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. Check them out at AMAA. And finally, we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, Uh, and they have a bunch of amazing locally made shows that you can check out over at albertapodcastnetwork.com. This episode concludes our three-part adventure, so we're going to be switching back over to our regular bi-weekly release schedule, and that means we will be starting a brand new run on Wednesday, December 8th, and gang, it is going to be a wild one. I am very much looking forward to it, Uh, and when you listen to the rest of this episode, I think you'll understand why. And speaking of the rest of this episode, we are going to get you right back to it right away here, but first, I'm going to throw it over to Michelle and Riku from Paula the Ape Woman for some quick plugs. Hey, what up? I'm Michelle. That's Riku. Uh, I guess we got some plugs to do, uh, so I'm going to read them off, and then we're going to do a quick jam. All right, today's episode was brought to you by ATB. At ATB, they make banking work for you with expert and practical advice in everyday banking and investment planning expertise and management services with ATB Wealth. You can be confident that you're making smart choices when it comes to your money. They have a ton of history of doing what's right for their clients, especially when times are tough, because ATB was built to help Albertans. For more information, visit atb.com. That's definitely where I would be putting all of my money if I, you know, had any, but I I play the drums, so uh, maybe someday. 
Today's episode was also brought to you by Pod Power. With, uh, with Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. And this episode, Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to What's the Cheesemus? What's the Cheesemus is a new podcast with an inside look on Pilipinex identity in the diaspora. Cheesemus is the Tagalog word for gossip, and you can subscribe to hear weekly episodes about disappointing your parents, breaking it to your friends that you're not Italian, trying to figure out why you punched a car, and much, much more. What's the Cheesemus is produced by CJSR, Edmonton's campus and community radio station. You can download it wherever you find your podcasts and on whatsthecheesemus.transistor.fm. That's T-S-I-S-M-I-S. All right, Riku, you ready to hit it? So yes, we need to get our disaster roll, and I think that's going to determine sort of how things play out and uh, and will likely inform how everything wraps up for Weird Gravity uh, on this very circuitous, time-loopy run that you guys have found yourselves on. A quick note before we get to it. There has been a slight change to the mechanic of the disaster run. Uh, we are obviously, we, we've been playing a playtest kit this whole time that, that updates every now and then. We usually try to make a point when the rules change, uh, and this is one of those points. Normally, I don't like to change the rules too much on you guys mid-run, um, but I think, A, it's like the, the point where it's relevant to the run, and B, I think it's thematically relevant to what we've been exploring here. You guys have all been kind of dealing with with consequences, catching up with you. Uh, this whole run was themed around a, a challenge where you were hunted and, and kind of taking on es- extra risk. Uh, so I think now is the perfect time to introduce this new aspect of the disaster roll. It's going to work largely like it did. You're going to roll it the same way. The one thing that has been removed is the ability to save each other. If you get a six, you get the bonus that is there, uh, but you do not have the option of saving someone from the disaster. If you roll it as a disaster, that happens to you. Ooh, more more on the line. Uh, the stakes are a little bit higher. Um, so with that in mind, uh, everyone check your trouble boxes, see how many dice you're rolling, and let's get those disaster rolls. Is it still one die per two trouble boxes? Minimum one? Yes, works the same way, just without that option to save. Cool. Anyone roll a six? Yes. Excellent. As listed in the rules here, if you roll a six, you are safe. Mark one style. You are. You have had a clean run. We got any fours or fives? Yes. All right. That would be our classic uh, mixed success. It is a close call. <laughs> you, uh, you're going to take one trouble if you have room, which I'm assuming you do. And we'll sort of work out the, uh, the narrative of what that looks like for you. And finally, we got any one to threes. Three. Three. Also three. Three threes. All the ones who were zapped. <laughs> uh, you think you were marked for doom. Uh, I love that. Okay. Speaking of, do we mark one doom? Yes, mark one doom and receive a disaster chosen by the DM. So go ahead and mark your doom. So I think at this point, uh, Elliot, we, we established that you doused everyone, sort of did the crowd control thing, um, and bought everyone sort of this moment. Uh, I think the Arborists, for as angry as they are, uh, the anomaly has been dealt with. It has been warped away to another plane. The thing they were here to resolve has been resolved. Uh, and as much as they, they seem to have beef with you and they seem to have beef with the rescue agents here, having this moment has given them pause. And rather than continue to fight on blindly, they realize that now is their time to to uh, walk away. 
um, and they uh, begin using their their classic robe globe exit technique to get out of here. Uh, one of them has to grab the leader uh, and sort of shepherd him because he's still kind of you know uh, looking up and and wide eyed and trying to figure out why he can't find anybody because uh, to him it's and the shivering middle of the night and shivering yeah just freezing cold because uh, it's <laughs> uh, the middle of a prairie winter in Canada. But yes, they, they managed to like kind of get an arm on him and, and shepherd him back. And that effect will wear off in time, I assume. <laughs> I assume. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, they, they begin to make their uh, exit. But before they do, uh, Nick, one of them brushes past you. I think uh, this is this is sort of as you're about to, uh, to go check in on Juniper, one of them brushes by you and you feel something uh, drop into your hand. You kind of look over and, and make eye contact. Uh, and it is that same arborist who you've now had a couple of encounters with in previous runs. Um, and you look down in your hand and you have just an onyx black orb uh, has been passed to you. Um, and then this arborist goes and rejoins the rest of his group uh, and they go to uh, make their exit. Yeah, you run to check on Juniper. I assume um, uh, she is uh, a little bit thrown by all of this but is is nonetheless okay uh you guys did manage to hold everyone off and and sort of protect the crowd to the best of your ability um and she's you know shaken but she's gonna be all right and i think this is uh yeah as we see you know the rescue agents begin to sort of like lock down the area um and and so it might be time for you guys to take your leave uh but the the situation here is has resolved the anomaly is gone the arborists are leaving the rescue agents are cleaning up the mess um, I think this is where we're going to have to start bringing some of these disasters into play, though. And I believe we're going to start uh, with Nick. Nick, you uh, you go in to check on Juniper. You, you reassure her everything's going fine there. Um, and then you kind of go to rejoin your crew. And you realize that in amongst all of the chaos, um, you see your mom standing there. Uh, and she has witnessed all of this and is looking at you in just, just wide-eyed disbelief she she has heard about what you do with your fellow slug blasters and she's heard about the exploits that you know you've gone on but you've always kind of tried to tone them down and make them a little bit more palatable for her. you've always kind of phrased them as like a fun hobby um but she just witnessed firsthand how how chaotic and how dangerous and how life-threatening this can all be um and she's looking there standing there staring at you looking at a complete loss for words Mom, I I didn't know you were going to be at Town Day. Nicholas? Y- y- yeah? Can you give me your sword, please? W- w- right, right, right now? now? Like, um, right now. But, but I, well, I, I, I just used it to, 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 to reseal away the... the uh, I saw. I saw what you used it for. And I, I saw you d- disappear and... I don't even know what that thing was. And I don't even know what you're doing. I don't think I can trust you with your sword anymore. Does Nick hand it over? Yeah. I think just, like, his face drops and he detaches the the sheath from his, from his belt and, and he hands it over. Thank you. Oof. Do you want the shoes, too? I mean, I, I also do stuff with the shoes. We'll talk about the shoes. Okay. And I think with that, she uh, she ushers you away from the group, and it's it's pretty clear that you're in a heap of trouble here, and there may be conversations to come once you're home. But 
the immediate side effects of this disaster have been felt. Uh, the the scene begins to uh, to wrap up here. Um, as I said, the the rescue agents are kind of securing the location. So I think one by one, you all go to take your leave. Who were our other? We had Angus and Chester. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Angus, I think as you, you your priority is probably getting the heck out of here. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Cool. And I think you go to do that, and uh, you're you're almost in the clear uh, when you you hear a voice call out after you, and you go, uh, "Not so fast, there, Mister Franklin. A moment of your time, please." Angus turns, but doesn't walk closer. Uh, you see standing there Mr. Patterchuk, um, and you see walking away from him one of the rescue agents there, and he, uh, Patterchuk, sort of waits for you to come over and sees that you don't and, and begins to approach you instead, and it's like, ah, you make me walk. Good, I've been walking all day. I got in a, a fender bender this morning. I haven't been able to drive anywhere. My dogs are barking. Oh, boy. You make me walk some extra stuff. I got my steps in for today. All right there, Mr. Franklin. I uh, see you're uh, right here right as, uh, as trouble's going down. Uh, that that doesn't entirely surprise me. I, I uh, thought maybe you were getting yourself on a, on a more of the straight and narrow, but uh, sure enough, you've, you've shown your true colors once again here today. And uh, he holds out to you uh, a piece of paper um, that appears to be a printout. Uh, and it, it's the security feed from the rescue facility you recognize it as like that night that you broke in uh and it is uh you know fuzzy it's black and white but it's it's a still from the security feed uh that that pretty clearly shows your face uh uh, friend the officer over there just uh passed this along to me said that uh they had a a bit of trouble with some some teens breaking into the facility and and uh, myself as a school administrator maybe i'd be able to help them Round up some troublemakers. I I think Angus was going to start with a, a snarky quip like he does. Uh, and then seeing the, the printout uh, changes his demeanor a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, what? You gonna turn me in? Well, that wouldn't be too good for you, would it? If I, if I were to turn you over to those rescue agents, they'd probably have some... Some questions for you, maybe some uh, some punishment to dole out there. I also can't imagine you'd like your your mom finding out about this. What with how concerned she's been, she's been scheduling those parent teacher interviews on on nearly a weekly basis to check in on you. It's honestly a little bit frustrating, but she seems very concerned with you uh, staying on the right path. I can't imagine she'd be too happy to see that you broke into a to a government uh, a, a private facility and and raided there. They're store lockers. No, I, I don't think she'd like to hear about this at all. That's why I'm going to make you a little bit of a deal here. If you don't want this to, to come back to bite you, then you're going to do me a favor here. You're going to help me turn this town around to clean up this whole mess. You're going to be my eyes and ears in the world of Slug Blaster. And finally, we have Chester. So yes, I believe one by one you all all make it out of there. And Chester, you uh, you head back. Uh, actually, I don't want to dictate this. Where where what is your first priority here? Is it is it to head home? Is it to check on Juniper? Uh, is it something else entirely that I haven't thought of? Uh, so as everything kind of cools off and the, the conflict uh, calms down, 
uh, I I go to run over to to Juniper and see uh, mm-hmm. if she's okay. Yeah, I think as we said earlier, like Nick checked in on her, so um, uh, she is she's all right, uh, but she is pretty shook up. Uh, and I think as you uh, run over, um, she kind of just looks up at you and sort of like doesn't doesn't know how to respond. I think she's a little bit like we, we've established a little bit shy, a little bit socially awkward. So like looks up at you wide-eyed a little bit shaken a little bit trembling and kind of like looks like she maybe wants to just hug you but also doesn't want to want to assume that that's a thing she can do and just kind of stands there looking at a loss um are 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 you okay um yeah yeah uh yeah it was uh it was a little bit um and i think she just like her her she breaks down and, and and throws her arms around you and it's just like it was it was a lot Chester, it was it was really scary. Um, and I'm just I'm glad everyone's safe, and I'm glad you're okay. You 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 look like you got really electrocuted back there. I uh, I mean I I can't feel the left side of my body, but I, I that probably passes. Um, <laughs> I hope so. Um, is that is that normal in slug blasting? Does that does that happen a lot? I I mean um. That doesn't usually happen. It, it doesn't usually come to null like this. Uh, no, it, it's fine though. I, I I'm okay. If, um, uh, here, I'll, I'll make sure you get home. I'll, I'll come with you right away. And I I think everything's fine here. But here, I'll I'll take you home. I think she appreciates that. Yeah, she uh, just sort of like stays right close to you the whole walk home, and and is uh, is just very comforted by your your presence there i think despite everything today despite all the danger and all of the uh all of the unpredictability of the day um she genuinely just feels feels safer with you around so you walk her back to her house um do you do you say anything to her as you part ways here uh juniper uh i i know things didn't go uh the way um well at least how i wanted it to go um you know, I just wanted to hang out with you. I mean, uh, I you have so many good things to say, and I, and I, uh, you know, recently I, I've been able to understand a lot more, um, and, and I've appreciated uh, how much you know and how much uh, you you do well at school. It's been it's been nice. Yeah, that's. All I wanted was to hang out too. I just, I just like spending time with you. You, you know, I this, I don't know how to say this, but I, I, I think I misjudged you at first. I, I kind of wrote you off. You, you never did well in class, and I've always been very focused on, you know, grades and and academics, and and you know, that's that's the reason we're there at school. That's that's what that's what we're there to do. So that's what I focus on, and and. You know, maybe I get so focused on that that I, I write people off a little too quickly. But since we've gotten to know each other, it just I, I can see all this this wisdom in you, Chester, this this deeper understanding of, of the way things work and how it all how it all fits. And I just I know that no matter how bad things get, you'll you'll find a solution. You'll find the answer because you you're smarter than you think you are. Uh, anyway, I, I, I need to go and get caught up on homework and, and sleep for a whole day or something. I need to shake this off. I, I, I'm going to go. Yeah, of course. Of course. So you take your leave and you, you walk back home. Um, and uh, I think 
this experience, much like many of them have lately, has, has only reinvigorated you to to uh, invest all of your your time and effort in the team, and you go home to to start planning the next run, the one that's you know the, not going to have any problems this time. You're not going to run into any monsters that loop you through time. You're gonna you're gonna have a clean run where you just do a lot of sick tricks and really put weird gravity on the map, uh, maybe to somewhere cool that you've never been before, and you sort of take up a spot on your bed and, and open up a notebook and start beginning to kind of sketch out ideas or, or try and, uh, and, and this is something I think you've been doing lately is like, you've been having, having big thinks and, and wrapping your head around these multidimensional concepts. Uh, and as you go to do it, I, you're just, you kind of start in on one plan and then it gets fuzzy and you're not quite sure how that would even work. And then, and then you have a flash of another idea of like, well, maybe you could go here and you could do this and you start, frantically jotting it down but once again it just sort of starts to slip from you the the understanding that that came so easily to you recently has, has slips away and you just you can't quite put the pieces together you know that there's there's something to this idea um but by the time you try and break it down you've forgotten what it was um and you're back to square one and i think that's that's your disaster here is you you feel that whatever effect that that turbo dendron nectar had on you that that sort of increased faculties that it had given you up to this point when we've seen it throughout the run, but it's it's now become solidified that it's it's beginning to slip away. You're you're beginning to lose whatever effect you had there. And uh, as I like try to pick up the the previous thoughts that I've had before, and they're just like you know a bunch of loose ends um, that he can't figure out anymore. Uh, he just closes the notebook and puts it away. So, as a condition of this run, you guys took on a challenge last time in order to clear some extra trouble. Um, you rolled the challenge of hunted. Uh, someone or something is after you. Uh, that turned out to be multiple someones and somethings. No reward for this run, and GM gets plus two tokens. Just escape and survive. That was the description of this run. So this is normally the time when we dole out things like crew style, playbook style, uh, any components or other bonuses. Um, but as stated in that challenge... This one was all just about making it out the other side, and and one way or another, you guys all did that. But uh, we're gonna have a little less style to play with this time around, as there will be uh, no no rewards being doled out. Uh, so with that in mind, does anyone have scenes they'd like to buy? Uh, keeping in the camp of consequences. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I would like to continue down the chills plotline uh, to buy in too deep. Uh, so we may remember that I was caught in a plot and had serendipity to the point that I was, uh, presumed to be a member of Jet Collective mm-hmm. by Slug Blaster Magazine. Yeah, Slug Blaster Magazine interviewed you thinking that you were a member of Jet Collective, uh, due to a misunderstanding at Infinite Pizza and seizing on their opportunity as Jet Collective are normally very cagey with the press and don't like to give interviews. They like to let their art speak for itself. Um, but they, they figured they had a chance to talk to a member of this elusive crew and and put it into print. Right. The next one <laughs> on that line is called In Too Deep. Clear up to three trouble. You're found out. You're in over your head. Your luck runs out. Mark one doom. Pick a teammate who notices. Yeah, I think, Elliot, you uh, are, are at home uh, after all of this kind of uh, cools down. Uh, maybe you're playing your guitar. Maybe you're playing some video games. You're doing your, your classic chill vibes. And uh, I, I think you get a phone call uh, and you recognize the natu- number as uh, Butcher from Jet Collective. Do you answer it? Oh, yeah. 
Hey man, what's up? Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what I'd like to know. Um, what the hell, man? What what is going on? I I just saw this right up in in Slug Blaster magazine, uh, saying that you're you're a member of the crew. I don't remember. Yeah, you're running that by any of us. Oh, uh, no. See, that was before uh we met. Uh, no, I mean, I I didn't say I was with. Well, I did say I, I um When did you say? Who did you say it to? It was, uh, the guy at Fust was handing out your hasware. Are the hasware we never got that you guys ended up with that? You yeah. You stole our hasware? I mean, I lucked into it. I'm sorry, I, I thought you were just trying to, like, do some weird play for, for fame where you're trying to ride our coattails or something, but now now you're telling me that you stole property from us? Not on purpose. Oh, well, it was accidental then, that's fine. Cool, cool. Great, listen, I just had the worst conversation I've ever had with Farnham. He's livid, he's so mad about this whole situation. He saw the article told me about it. I went to bat for you guys because I, I thought you were you were chill and, and, and you guys could hang. And, and I, I told him it was just a misunderstanding. He blew up at me. There's some There's been tension boiling there for a while. That's not a part of it. I don't know what state our crew is in at this point. Like, we, we left on real bad terms. And, and now I'm wondering why I even bothered because it turns out that you just stole from us and lied to us. What the hell? What, what game are you playing here? Uh, I, I, I just don't like. I, I don't know, man. Uh, you know that collab we how... were supposed to do in in the golden jungle, the rain check we took there. You go ahead and forget about that. I don't think we're gonna be working together anytime soon. Thanks for nothing. Uh, and hangs up the phone. <sighs> Shit. Shit, indeed. <laughs> I think you, uh, your eyes, uh, as you, you kind of slump in your bed there, and and uh, your your eyes drift over to the um, the hasware that is maybe hung up in your closet that is, you know, still intact. It's still usable hasware, but has like fading and scarring from the acid rain in the waking pits, and maybe some like scorch marks from the the calorium bleeding through into the golden jungle like it is it is a mess uh so like even if you wanted to to try and make right and give it back like it is you guys have have worn this has wear well in the time since you lucked into it um and it just goes to further punctuate the uh situation you find yourself in that there is really no going back here what does that get you what what have you earned uh so i got to clear trouble Mm -hmm. i marked one doom Ooh. yeah and, and then you I are one step closer to the uh, finishing line of this track, which is, uh, yeah, if you can if you can bear out all the bad consequences, eventually you may get some some perks on the other side. But uh, yes. that'll have to come in another game. This one's all about consequences. Who's mm-hmm. the teammate that notices? Um, oh, I think it's Angus. If that's okay. Yeah, I feel like that makes sense. I feel like Angus has had a pretty decent rapport with Jet Collective. Yeah. Oh yeah. I also, yeah. uh, we have a well-kept secret. That's our bond. And I think the well-kept secret is that Elliot smokes. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. And that she only does it when she's super nervous or like super agitated. So I think she asks uh, Angus if they can have a smoke behind the bleachers. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Okay. We, you're here. I'm here. Something's up. Uh, I screwed up. Like, uh-huh. Like... 
You know that hasware that I gave us? Yeah, yeah, you said that you you won it or something. Yeah, um, that was supposed to go to Jet Collective. Well, that explains why Savitri suddenly ghosted me and stopped returning my texts. Yeah, um... So they found out. They found out about that. There was that article in Slugblaster magazine. They didn't even ask me, but they assumed that I was with Jet Collective, and they printed it, and... The team is super pissed. Damn. Uh, I'm gonna say something that's probably gonna come across as really shitty. Hmm. To be totally honest with you, I kinda didn't know if you were in Jet Collective either. Oh. Like, why would it have gone to print if, if you were really ride or die for Rear Gravity? Why didn't you say anything when it went out? I have, I have a hard time confronting things. Um, it just seemed easier to let it ride. And now, here we are. Yep. I think that's where we leave that scene. No, uh, no easy answers, no clear path out of it. I think this is also going to affect your relationship with Jet Collective. You guys were at a, at a very high ranking, um, but I think it's slipped a little bit here. I, I don't think it's uh, a thing that can't be recovered, uh, but I think it is something that's going to take work to mend. Um, we're going to take it from a three down to a one. <laughs> going to get Last Straw on my Trouble at Home branch. <laughs> Clear up to four trouble, a big fight, a big punishment, hurt and regret on both sides. You have to choose between the thing you love and the people you love. Mark one doom and take a slam. Uh, yeah, did you have something in mind for where you want to set the scene or were you, were you wanting to leave that up to me? Ooh, I have an idea for okay. what I want to do. Let's hear it. <laughs> I'm picturing Angus's mom and Garrett. This is at home. Angus walks through the front door. He says, Mom, I need to talk to you. Uh, They sit down in the living room. Angus is standing on the opposite side of the room, facing his mom on the couch, arms crossed. And he says, I broke into the drow rescue facility to get my shoes back. You broke into that drow facility. I read about that in the newspaper. That was you? Yeah. Angus, why why would you do that there? To get my shoes back, I just said. Shoes are shoes. We can get your shoes anywhere. And why would you need those skimp mood runners anyway? I don't think you would understand. No, I don't think I understand. You broke... (laughs) That's a bucket full of trouble there, Angie. Oh, oh, Angie. Don't, don't call me that, Mom. My name is Angus. Okay, okay. I, I'm sorry, Angus. It's just that you're my little boy, and, uh... I'm not. I'm not your little boy. I'm 16 years old. And apparently... You want to baby someone, baby the younger siblings. I can make my own decisions now, Mom. Uh, I made the decision to get into this. I made the decision to go into the rescue facility. And I'm making the decision to tell you this now. And apparently it was a bad choice to send you to public school. 
You got wrapped up with your wired gravy and they led you astray. <laughs> you know what? I, I think... And she looks over at Garrett and then back to Angus and, and says the most bold thing she has ever said to any of Angus's defiance. Angus, I, I'm going to pull you out of school. I think you got to come back. You're going to come back to homeschooling. I, I'll, I'll brush up on my algebra with the letters in the in the math. Like the weird, uh, I don't think being with those kids is good for you. I'm not a kid. I'm not a kid anymore, Mom. Ah. I'm not. I'm not. I can make these decisions. I can face these consequences. I don't need to be held hostage by you, by Patterchuck, by anybody. Pull me out of school if you want, but you're just going to keep holding me hostage. Is that what you think she's doing? Yeah. Angus, when are you going to open your eyes? This is our mom. She's just looking out for us. All this, I, I, I even thought to cover for you. I bought you new shoes and you still went back. You knew what this was all going to cost and you, you just keep making these things. You say you're not a kid, but... God, you're, you're not an adult. Uh, Garrett, it, it's okay. No, it's not okay, Mom. You, even though you try and homeschool him, like, you see what he does. It doesn't help anything. Fellas, we're a family. He doesn't listen to you. He doesn't listen to me. He's not even listening to the freaking hover cops, apparently. (laughs) You're just a disgrace, Angus. No, 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 Angus, you're not, you're not a disgrace. No. Let him say it. Garrett, please, I... You think so? Dad certainly thought so. Hey, hey, now! I, I, I just want my family... And she stands up from the couch, and she quickly exits the room, crying. Uh, Garrett crosses the room, grabs Angus by the shoulder, and, like, pushes him up against the wall. And then let's go and walks out the front door. Nine weeks. And Angus walks out of the house. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess it says choose between the thing you love and the people you love. Yep. Uh, We're going to find out just how bad these consequences are and just the ramifications of all of this, uh, I assume, next episode but uh for now we leave it in that that moment of uncertainty uh yeah you mark one doom for that and you take a slam any su- any suggestions on your end of <laughs> disgraced <laughs> <laughs> oh that yeah that's that uh... hurts but that's yep <laughs> that's what it is Let's check in with Chester. Chester, what uh, what scene were you hoping to buy? Okay, so I'm going to go with uh, struggling, clear up three trouble. Uh, your issues get worse. You act out, project, misidentify your problem, and try to solve it the wrong way. Mark one doom. And um, just like any evolution in the uh, character of Chester, it's uh, with a montage. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, here's the thing, guys. Uh... Sometimes everybody hurts. Everybody hurts. Doon 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 doon.
And as that's going on, um, <laughs> you know, it's Chester just trying to like, you know, he's looking at his book and, you know, you just see him toss the book away and like you don't hear what he's saying because the, the music's going on. Uh, and then he, uh, there's another one where he's like walking by the river and looking at the river. Uh, there's another one uh, where he's uh, just eating uh, a cold slice of pizza uh, after work. Uh, th- there's another one uh, where he's just trying to pet a dog, but like, and the dog's just happy and everything, but like Chester's barely <laughs> present, and uh, um, he just goes back and uh, sits on the back porch, looking at his uh, armor that's sitting there, and uh, realizing all the plans he had for his armor. And for what he was going to do with slug blasting, uh, he can't. He can't figure it out. He's just going to. He he feels that it's just going to level off. Everybody hurts, and then, you know. <laughs> so there you go, Robin. Edit some music around that. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Uh, I wa- I want to do it. In the lab, yeah. So one of the things that he's doing is uh, he tries to make it so that he's like, I I can still do this. I can still innovate. I can do something original, and uh, and, and he tries real hard. And after spending a bunch of time, and he like, there's a time when he looks at a, a picture of Juniper, and he's just like, okay, I'm going to do it. And uh, the what turns out from it is just that uh, he takes some coils and some gems uh, and, and duct tape. He takes mm-hmm. it all together, duct tapes a whole bunch of softballs to his armor that he can use as a non-lethal uh, distance weapon. Uh- <laughs> like a softball shooter? No, it's just going to be him throwing them. <laughs> He's got like a str- like a whole string of them taped to himself with coils and like a gems. bandolier. Yeah, like the coils and gems are incidental. You know what I mean? Like, yes, he'd use them, but uh, uh, in the end, he just has a bunch of uh, softballs that he's just gonna like whip at people. And he's just like, that's that's gotta be a weapon, right? You described this as an in the lab scene, uh, which is normally a way that you roll to gain components and stuff. But that's not mm-hmm. at all what you just did. So you're not you're not gaining anything other than <laughs> softballs from this. Am I correct? This uh, isn't like yes, your way of leading up to like, oh, I had an ability that this is unlocking. You're you're uh, literally he, just getting softballs. Yeah, uh, because I mean, to buy my weapons thing for my armor, yeah. I need to have one coil and one gem. Uh, yeah. I, I I did spend my one style. I did roll. Uh, I did roll a five, which is your choice, and I got a coil. That's what I needed to finish my thing. And then I'm like, well, what kind of weapon could he come up with? He needs a distance weapon. A bunch of softballs taped to himself. That's what it is, and he's just taking all of these components. Okay, okay. Sorry, I, I just didn't I didn't hear the roll. I didn't hear any of that, so I understand that. This is, you've unlocked weapons is what you're saying. That's correct. Yeah, okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. I thought this was just some some nonsense that you were weaving, but it's a it's a mechanic. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In in a very dumb way, but yes. 
Uh, so well, let's check in with Nick. Nick, you had another scene that you wanted to purchase? Yeah, I too shall draw the last straw. Oh no. <laughs> Clear up to four <laughs> trouble. Big fight, big punchment, hurt. We're good on both sides. It should be mark the doom. You you heard this. You heard this. It's a bad time. It's a big bad time. <laughs> yeah. I'll offer here that I think this scene sort of already began earlier. Um, like the scene that you had with your mom in the parking lot is sort of was the beginning of this, but I think it continues uh later on as you as you return home. Mm-hmm. But I think that the, the disaster and this are sort of uh, overlapping to some degree because I felt like the, the loss of the sword was was a pretty major consequence for the disaster, but maybe it's because it is is also fed into by this. Um, but yeah, set the scene for us. Where is this taking place? I think we're going to pick right up as Nick is coming home. He's standing in the hallway just outside the door to the apartment. And he's been standing there for just a little while looking down at that black orb that the arbors passed him just sort of sitting in his hand and he closes his fingers around it takes a nice deep breath pockets the orb walks in through the door and says to his mom i need the sword back oh you need the sword back and what could you possibly need it for hmm to get into more trouble look mom i just i just need i i i need the sword and and hey it doesn't it doesn't just get me into trouble it it gets me out of trouble. You saw everything today. We we would have been stuck in permanent Groundhog Day if I didn't have that sword. Your mom has no idea what you're talking about there. <laughs> but I just, I need it. I, I, I won't be able to do what I need to without that sword. Do you know how many 14-year-old boys have swords? One that I know of, and he doesn't have it anymore. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> yeah, but like, so what if I'm not like... All the other kids my age, like, I, I just... How how many other 14-year-olds know how to make their own sword? How, how many of them understand the physics of, of portaling and warping through realities into different dimensions? Not many of them, huh? Do you think that you've somehow gained a point with me? Talking about your reckless behavior? Am I supposed to be impressed, Nick? No, I'm not trying to impress anyone. I just... I just need the sword so I can figure out what I need. There's information out there. And and I, I need to get a hold of it, and I can't do that without the sword. Well, I'm sorry that you feel that way. But my decision is final. Why is it your decision to make? Because I am your mother. Dad would never turn his back on curiosity like this. Whoa. What did you just say to me? I said Dad would never turn his back on curiosity like this. Go to your room. Nicholas, go to your room. Dad would be on my side. And then Nick walks over and phases through the door into his room, locking it behind him. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's that sounds like a last straw to me. Clear your trouble, mark your doom. I'm beginning to suspect that some of our characters have issues surrounding their fathers. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe just a little, hey? Everybody hurts. So Nick, you've you've played out that last straw scene and uh, and beautifully done. Um, But I don't want to leave right yet because I, I need to know, once you go into your room and you lock the door, do you... 
activate that orb. Do you do you do anything with that orb? Uh, I think Nick actually uh, he faces through the door into his room, locks it, uh, and then immediately opens the window and walks up to the roof of the apartment building. Mm-hmm. And he just sort of sits up on the ledge. I guess it's at the end of the day. He's just watching the sunset. And he's just sort of sitting there, arms around his knees, holding the orb out in front of him, watching the sunlight from the setting sun reflect off of this black orb. Okay. I also need to take a slam, I think. <laughs> uh, yes, you do. How about grounded? <laughs> slam of grounded? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, grounded, I think, makes total sense. And that'll carry over <laughs> into the next run. I'm going to buy minor personal legacy. Clear three style. A trick is named after you. You make a spot famous. Your meme is forever a part of the lexicon, etc. Mark one legacy. How does your crew react? Uh, and what I think happened is that at town day, the town day concert, someone was streaming. Mm. And uh, it was during the song Supernova. And I think that song, because it is a direct criticism of Ramona Nova, much like uh, Alanis Morissette's You Ought to Know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also famously a direct criticism of Ramona Nova. Yes, we all know yes. that. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you Ought to Know that. Isn't it ironic? <laughs> <laughs> but I think people are like intrigued by the drama. Mm-hmm. And they're like, who is this Who is this nobody? And why does she care so much about Ramona Nova? Uh, and the song actually slaps. And I'm going to show it to my friends. So this is your minor legacy. Is this song kind of going going semi-viral? A little bit viral, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, do you want to get a quick scene of you showing it to the crew? Uh, and or just like a member of the, I don't know who you want to show it to here. If the question is, how does the crew react? Uh, if some of us are, are in pretty deep familial trouble right now, maybe there is no response about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, actually, is like you, you get this moment of, of virality and you're kind of stoked on it and, and go to share it with your crew. Because I think there was a little bit of tension on this run between like you're trying to do right by your band and also right by your crew. And you you managed to juggle it pretty well and have it both ways. But I think in this moment of sort of celebration of like, look, the band's doing really well and, and hoping that your crew will kind of have your back, you actually don't get much response. I think, yeah, Nick and Angus are both in too much trouble at this point. I think Lake is is just like distracted by... Um, or maybe I'm just like the only one who comments because I'm the only one who's not in trouble and also no Ramona Nova. Yeah, like I've I've the other one with a with a horse in the Ramona Nova race. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, Nick and Angus are, are in a little too much trouble. Chester is too busy with his uh, trying montage. to montage his way out of <laughs> out of a real serious dilemma that he's found himself in. And like, yeah, you do get a, a word of support from Lake, but it's also the kind of thing of like, you know, when it's when it's only the one that you have sort of a, a closer bond with, who like, you know, the friend that always supports you supports you, and it's it's nice because they always support you, but also it's like. Yeah, you always support me. Like, you know, I was hoping to get some some heat from the other ones and and nothing. Uh, I knew I knew Lake would be nice about it. Lake's always nice. <laughs> it's that that double edged sword there. Yeah, and let's check in with Angus. You had something that you wanted to do here. Before I do this, do I have permission from the crew to take the two uh, style that is in the weird gravity style bank? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Alrighty. I'm gonna clear four style for all the small things. A scene where you reflect on a memory, enjoy a perfect moment, cherish a memento, or connect with a friend. Mark one legacy. Mm-hmm. 
And I think this is happening as Angus leaves his house. He walks out to the street, heel taps three times, everything starts rushing past him. He starts walking. He's not even really sure where he's going. And then he taps his toe to bring it back to normal time. He has no idea how much time has passed. And he's in front of Lake's house. Uh, what time is it? I, I, I'm I leaving this one to Lake. It, it can be the middle of the afternoon or the middle of the night. Uh, Angus rushed a bunch of time past, so uh, Lake's choice. I guess it's it's probably pretty late at night. Uh, the the porch lights on, but obviously it's 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 nighttime. Uh, maybe Angus, you go around to the back and do the classic like tossing pebbles at the window thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah, you hit Lake's window. She like you see the light come on. You see a asymmetrical silhouette with a side pony uh, go to the window, and then she like peeks out. She's like sees you down there. Then you see the light go off. And about 30 seconds later, she's come downstairs and is, is out in the backyard with you. Hey, hey, I guess what's... What are you doing here? It's like almost midnight. Is it? Are you okay? Oh, you look... Damn it. You look really, really worse for wear. I'm really not okay right now. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe I called it with that nine weeks. That was so stupid. But I was right. I can't believe I was right. Um. I don't know if I'm gonna be in school much longer. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um. Things really went to hell after this run. Um. You, you kind of go to keep trying to explain, and she just sort of grabs you in for a, a tender hug. Um. You remember when we met? Yeah, at the at the party in the at the the rock quarry. Yeah. Yeah. And you literally saved my life that same day. Kind of in more ways than one. Oh. That was on the first day of school. Oh yeah. Yeah, not nine weeks. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm I'm. I always want to be here to save you and and i i have every reason to believe you'll always be here to save me so and and goes in for that that big hug again yeah angus lets lake hug him and i think this might be the moment where he breaks down a little bit and he he holds on to her pretty tightly yeah, she she has no sway over school administration, so <laughs> all she can really do here is uh, <laughs> just just be with you through this challenging moment. Yeah, and I, I think we leave them in that locked in that embrace. Angus finally sort of letting himself feel the full weight of this. Lake's glitch passing across through this hug and, and lighting up Angus's one side, and they just sort of sit in that moment of 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 memory and of connection and of of grief to some degree but but they've got each other uh 
so, so Lake figures everything went so poorly uh, today that, that she's kind of looking for any silver lining or opportunity that might uh, <laughs> be able to, to spin into something productive. And so using the, the only two style I have, I'm going to spend it on rolling uh, on the opportunities table. Yeah, totally. It's like the opposite of the challenge roll. That's fun. Yeah, <laughs> ending our challenge roll with trying to find an opportunity. Um, so I'm going to roll it. Uh, so I roll 2d6, right? Yeah. And I think the way we've always played these is you you roll them and then you can use either combination. Sweet. A five and a three. A five and a three. So you either have 35, which would be dream run. You get a chance to go on a run with an extra reward in a place you couldn't normally access. Or mm-hmm. 53, planar eclipse. <laughs> a once in a lifetime phenomenon. Use it to access a world you normally couldn't. Uh, use it to spice up your next video for extra style or just enjoy it to gain one legacy each. I didn't know that was on there. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think planar eclipse uh, makes any sense. So I, I will have to go with, with dream run. I love that. And I think that's a perfect opportunity to throw it to our final scene of the evening. Uh, I think uh, the day after... The day after town days, Lake goes and is just sort of skating alone around the parking lot um, because all of her friends are in deep, deep trouble and she managed to get away unscathed. Um, It's sort of like reflecting on the day, looking at, you know, where, you know, just 24 hours ago uh, there was there was absolute pandemonium. Maybe even there's part of her that's at some point expecting to get zapped back to uh, the start of the day before. And like, she's like, okay, good. We're we're out of the time loop for sure. It's been it's been a day now. And she starts running her ampimeter around the parking lot of the rec center mm-hmm. um, because not only did arborists show up, but this creature left. Um, and I, I think maybe it's warped the temporal space uh, around the rec center parking lot. And uh, lo and behold, on her ampimeter, Lake discovers a new portal zone. She sure does, and and I'm just going to add one more detail here. Normally, when you find a new thin zone using your ampimeter, you're able to get some basic information, some readings and general data that give you an idea of what's on the other side and where this portal might open to. And Lake, as you look over the data here, you realize that this isn't just a new route into Thenispar or like a back way into the Golden Jungle. The events of this past run have had a permanent impact on the fabric of space-time. They've altered the curvature of reality. And if you open a portal here, it's going to lead to a dimension that no one from Null has ever been to before. (laughs) 